0: Sponsor CBT Nuggets is IT training for IT professionals and anyone looking to build IT skills. If you want to make fully operational your networking, cloud, security, automation, or DevOps battle station, visit cbtnuggets.com slash heavy networking. That's cbtnuggets.com slash heavy networking. Welcome to Packet Pushers Heavy Networking. In today's community show, we're going to be talking
1: about deception and canaries in the realm of network security. Now, for those of you who don't sort of do security infrastructure all day, and particularly in terms of where security is implemented as part of the network, the idea of canaries is that you've got a passive system or an active system. There's two types of canaries, a passive and active, as we'll cover today, where they sit on the network and they detect if somebody is actually hacking them if or if they're under attack by some sort of threat actor. And if they receive some sort of known or some sort of vector of attack, they should flag you that something's happened. The idea here is that once your perimeter, a security perimeter, has been established, and you've got a defence in depth, you know you've got some layers of security. You probably lost visibility as to what's actually happening inside each of the micro segments inside of that infrastructure. Micro is a big issue, and so how do you actually start uh, deciding if somebody's actually gotten through your defences and knowing if they're inside the segment, part of your network? and then detecting that there's something has happened. Sure, you can do a lot of log analysis and you can apply all the AI and ML you want, but that's an awful lot of hard work and maybe there's a better way. And in today's discussion, I've asked Haroon Mir, and he has been working in the architecture of Canaries for quite some time and indeed owns and established a company in this very area. And it's a technology that I have been following for a while. And I finally decided that I wanted to get him onto the show and talk about Canaries in this unsponsored, so um, this is an open discussion. We're going to take it in any direction that I feel is the right way to do it. But Haroon is an expert in in canaries, so welcome to the show, Haroon. Let's get straight into the art. Now, one of the things when we were preparing for the show was you said, "What is deception? Canaries are about deception." I wanted to start the discussion there. What do you mean by that?
2: There's two ways that it goes. The the one really simply is a fact that you don't get away from is canaries are hoping to lie to attackers. So attackers expect certain to find certain infrastructure, and canaries win by appearing to be part of your regular infrastructure. So so there's some measure of deception involved. Um, But deception in network security is always an opportunity for someone trying to sell something to put up a picture of the horse of Troy and to... Throw a Sun Tzu quote out and talk about how all warfare is deception. Yeah. and and to some extent, it's 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 almost always a little overwrought. Like like <laughs> yeah. if you go back, like almost to the pre two thousands, there were people heralding deception as being our savior. And, and, our and it, in fact, there've been several attempts uh, at honeypots and deception. Claiming that they were going to solve all our problems, and and most of them hit Gartner's uh, trough of disillusionment at some point. Yeah, but but we're pretty firm believers that that there's some goodness in them. Yeah, um, as as long as you don't go uh, crazy with the with both promises and expectations, we we think they've got a role to play.
1: Well, I think the difference between like that the the Sun Tzu quote, you know, all war is deception, is correct. But a military force is mobile. That is, you choose right. your your ground. You want to be on high ground. You want your enemy to be on low ground. So you do things to trick the enemy into being into the position that you want, right? But with IT security, your defenses are static, and it's- they don't move. So there is no, there's no concept that deception in that sense actually translates to the to the metaphor. I don't think.
2: Yeah, it's it's a super interesting topic to bring up because because literally, like I I gave a talk a little while back on on mistakes that we've been making as defenders when we talk about learning from offense. Um, so so everyone always says that you should learn to think like an attacker, um, but but of course uh, it's about as useful as telling me you should think like a cook or think like a chef when I go into the kitchen. Yeah, and and just telling me to think like a chef's not going to make me not suck in the kitchen. Um, like I burn toast um, and and telling people like think like an attacker is also not useful um, but one of the things that is interesting like exactly what you mentioned is that attackers have several advantages and defenders don't normally play to one of the strengths that they do have where one of the strengths is that you know your infrastructure but attackers don't mm. and and in fact, uh, a few years back, Rob Joyce, who was the one of the head honchos at the NSA, gave a talk at Enigma Conf, and and one of the things he pointed out is he said, "Listen, when when we go on an engagement, we know your network better than you do." He says, "And we win because we know your network better than you do." And and one of the places that that canaries and deception come into good use is leveraging the fact that attackers have to learn that when they land. And and so there's a point when an attacker is on your network and has to orient herself. And during that time, they have to do certain things. Mm. And it actually puts you in a position of strength because uh, you know what should be there and what shouldn't so effectively- be there. So
1: effectively... To go back to the Sun Tzu metaphor, what you're actually doing is saying this is the, gr- this is the ground on which the battle will be fought um, and they have to walk through the terrain that you create for them and that is your key and advantage. Exactly
2: right. right. It, it's, it's a home field advantage that not enough people take advantage of.
1: Mm. Most people sort of think about it as a perimeter, throwing up a wall and then saying you're, you've got to get across the wall. But once you're in, you know, the crunchy perimeter – Thesis, right. right, right, and so we, when we We all recognize that the corinthian perimeter. You know, once you're through the perimeter, you've you reached the the bar. You know, the golden egg, the basket of golden eggs. So what we do right. is put up multiple walls. But in reality, what you could do is create like a maze, and, right, and, and then and fill th- the th- maze with traps, which R- is
2: exactly right. And mm. and there's there's two ways to think about that also, right? Like like one of the wrong turns that that I personally feel, and and this is just a personal hypothesis. I I feel that. Uh, people who've been wanting to do deception on internal networks have been obsessed with, we'll set up this maze and then attackers will be stuck in this maze forever. And and it might be that that's a valid solution for, for a group of people. But mm. the, the problem that we are interested or, or the problem that I think is bigger and more immediate is the ridiculous stat that most companies don't know when they've been compromised. So, so if you look even historically at the big breaches, e- even if you take the NSA being done over by Snowden, mm. like he was on a plane on the way to Hong Kong before they knew that somebody had been pillaging them inside, okay? And and so part of the thing that's interesting for me is that even people who've made huge security investments don't know when they compromised. And, and uh, one of the security folks at Slack had a really interesting saying where he says that, that most of the time, uh, any sufficiently advanced attacker is indistinguishable from your power users. And and so it becomes an interesting thing to say, if you've got some way to distinguish between your own users and the attackers, mm. again, it puts you in a really powerful place. And, and we, like, I think deception should be used for that. Like, so like you- this thing. To, so is, to extend sorry. the
1: metaphor, what you're saying is the maze is the purpose of the maze is to create a detection area. Exactly. So as people come through the maze, it's not to be to block them or prevent them from getting access. The purpose is there to detect that something's happened, so that you can react. And
2: it, it's it's certainly where I think it has the strongest role to play.
1: Mm-hmm. I like that metaphor too. About advanced any sufficiently advanced attacker is indistinguishable from a super user. A power user in your system, because that's actually true. <laughs> yeah, for uh, have, sure. Ha- having been a power user <laughs> most of the time, yeah. I'm, I'm finding ways to get around uh, around the security you, defenses that I might have built. Yeah.
2: You know, so, so I think that that goes to another interesting thing, which which is something that we don't like to talk about often. But one of the mistakes that InfoSec makes is is it talks about defending this utopian network where you don't have users who look a lot like attackers and and where there aren't tons of attacks going on every day so so you look at security products and and when they demo it in the lab mm. it's great like hey someone launched an attack and you detected that attack mm-hmm. and and just a look at the headlines for the last 10 years will tell you that all of these megacorps that were paying full-time SOC people and paying security people didn't know when they were getting absolutely pillaged and yeah. that's because once you take things to the real network there's just a zillion signals right you're looking for a needle in a nest you yeah, know yeah needles
1: yeah. yeah i don't think log analysis is all that useful as somebody who's been working on log analysis for <laughs> right. a couple of decades it's it's you've got to know what you're looking for to right. to bring meaning out of the logs i think
2: yeah, I, I think so. And, and you bump into one of those problems uh, where Dan Gere famously said that, uh, like, uh, the, the reason that InfoSec is so hard, and, and sometimes uh, people uh, like tritely say, hey, we've learned how to build bridges securely, like, why can't we do this? And, and one of the problems, of course, is that for change, you have sentient opponents, Right, like when you build a bridge, Mother Nature doesn't now try to trick you by making a craftier wind. <laughs> but but if you do yeah. a certain type of log analysis, it's it's not long before attackers figure out. Oh, I just need to use your internal SSL, and then you can't see me. Or I just need to yeah. wrap my stuff inside of Samba or SMB, and and then you don't see me. Um. So so I think. It is important to see if we can if we can find some way to
1: so i want to yeah. I want to ask a question here. there's a, there is a so the idea of deception is that the attacker can't know that they're being detected or that they're being visualized. And there's a couple of different ways of doing it. One way is to build um, network taps and then send right. the data off. so capture the packets and store them and then perhaps analyze them. Another way is to collect logs and then analyze okay. the logs in near real time and come up. But I guess the question is, let's talk about canaries and how canaries work. Let's move that discussion along to how they work. Sure. If I've got a canary, what is it? Is it a computer? Is it a VM? Is it a full blooded right. operating system with a bunch of known attack services enabled? And when when I attempt to RDP to it, does it suddenly go bing 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 bing, RDP attack? <laughs> you know? right. What is it? So, so-
2: so possibly it could be all of those, right? Um, but but I'll talk about uh, the canaries that we've built, and, and we've got open source versions of it also, so so it's not just uh, me being a shill. Oh. Um, our take on it was that, look, it would be useful if we could put up a machine on your network, if we take it in its simplest sense. If I could put up a machine on your network that looked like a Windows box, um, that lived in your uh, network department, that acted like a backup server with useful backup files. That would be useful because an attacker who landed on your network would have to go touch it. Mm. And and so the the thing that we went for um, in terms of what we were building was how can we make that in a way that it's quick to deploy and painless to deploy and, and painless to maintain? Because if maintaining that infrastructure now meant that you needed to hire people to make, like like people are tired of maintaining their real infrastructure. You can't now tell them to maintain fake infrastructure in order to to catch bad guys.
1: You know, and it's it's a weird, I'm just going to deviate a little bit. I don't want to yeah, disrupt sure. your flow, but it's weird. We've spent a lot of time in the last 10 years focusing on reducing the complexity of products, like simplifying the product to make it easy to sell. So the day zero, right? reducing, simplifying the features. And then we've gone to a lot of effort to reduce the deployment. And in fact, that was actually a mistake. The thing we should have always been optimizing for was the cost of operation or the simplicity of operation, because that's where the real pain comes in. Like even if something is harder to buy, like it takes longer to buy it because it's complicated or whatever, that's okay because you only do that once. Once, And if you only deploy something once. So minimizing the, the...
2: <laughs> it's a it's a great point, and and I'll tell you it it leads it leads to an even uh, bigger rabbit hole, but but one that I'm actually hopeful for, Be, because exactly the the principal agent problem that causes that is that purchasing was pretty distinct from operations, so so the people doing the the big purchasing were making their decisions based on X, and the people who then had to maintain this over the next five years. We're seeing a different picture. And, and one of the big uh changes uh, that, that have started to bubble through over the last few years is this concept of bottom-up uh, products. So so now people who install Slack or install Zoom hmm. or install Git are the engineers at the company who said, This works for us today. We're we gonna swipe this credit card to get going. And and so I'm I'm hopeful that. That that new mode of of buying tools and buying security actually does some good, but but yeah, the, the see- bottom
1: up selling is a really interesting Silicon Valley uh, fashion. Not yeah. that Silicon Valley invented bottom up selling. That's what Avon does, right?
2: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> Literally, the idea is is that you go to the end user and you say, "Here's a fine product," and have a taster. In right. it's consumer to consumer selling. And the bottom-up selling is now very fashionable in Silicon Valley because, um, like all things Silicon Valley, it's about getting the most profit for the least amount of money, (laughs) (laughs) while pretending that they're amazingly clever for having thought of an idea that's 50 years old, right? So open source is effectively the Avon, like pyramid selling, right? And a lot of these – Yeah. Right? And um, so you get the open source that gets inside your organization, and then once you've got them hooked – you can step them up the pyramid scheme into think. Now they call that uh, enterprise grade open source. They have a slightly cynical take on that sort of view. Yeah,
2: I was going to, I was going to say that's slightly cynical, but but I agree in principle.
1: Well, it's it, it's much better in one way. It's not better or worse than the old way of the overselling from the top down. So in the old right. days, you used to have the four-legged sales beast would come in and the sales rep would be hammering the CIO with, you know, are we ready for a purchase order? And the sales engineers working with the senior architects and flooding them with information and answering their questions. And we'd incur right. like a huge cost in just engaging with vendors because they'd be throwing so many resources at you that you just had to engage with them until you got to a point. Usually you just right. got ground down and just went, all right, whatever. Get out of my face. No, yeah. <laughs> <Right. laughs> and today we actually have a situation where the overselling from the top down um, yep. has reached the point where for most of the big IT companies, 50% of the cost of the product that you buy is the cost of selling it to you. That's if, you if you do the math, it's, right? Yeah. If you buy a million dollars of up, up, up product, 50% of that cost is actually the cost of selling it to
2: the market. I totally buy it. I, I totally yeah. buy it. And, and I'm hopeful. It's, it's one of the places where I'm hopeful that the new model works. Because one of the reasons I, so obviously we're a small company and, mm. and we use the, the other model because it works better for us. But I also find it keeps us more honest. Like, like the way we currently sell canaries is uh, relatively cheap. Uh, it starts off. And, and if you don't like it next year, you won't pay for it again. Yeah. and so, so, we've got to not suck. yeah, and and if we don't suck, we out on our ear. and And I feel that it it leads to a positive loop. It forces us to keep doing things better and brighter or things just go away.
1: or the counter point oh. of view is that you actually stop doing everything. You make one hundred percent profit margins until customers walk or give up on you. And uh, things are pretty great. For you, (laughs) not so
2: good. (laughs) Not so good for the customer. Yeah, I'd buy it.
1: Yeah, like sweating the assets has, there's no such concept of sweating the assets in a subscription model. And yes, one side of it is that the customer can walk away and the cost disappears and there's not an overinvestment up front. But the flip side is, and what we're actually seeing already, is that a lot of vendors who present a product have the subscription revenue coming in and then just stop investing. And the money, like then the classic example here is Symantec, with its right. Uh, antivirus, right? When was the last innovation in antivirus?
2: Right, ten years ago. Yeah, that stuff's been terrible. Right. Yeah, how much money has
1: been thrown at antivirus subscriptions for zero net return?
2: Though, yeah, it's yeah, I I totally buy that. Like yeah. I, I think those like I think those businesses have been have been terrible and have given security a bad name uh, for well, a bunch of They've given things.
1: subscriptions a bad name but nobody <laughs> wants to mention you know that that because that was you know Semantic antivirus was uh, a SAS product in a very real yeah, way Yeah does
2: the original SAS Was the original, SaaS. <laughs> it was the original yeah, SaaS, no, I Totally so.
1: buy it <laughs> Anyway yeah. just to take two sides of that debate like yeah, you know there, no, there are, Totally It's not totally all you. It's not all win-win for customers there yeah. is a win <laughs> there there, no, there is I,
2: a I agree Yeah so um, so to to go back to to the original question, So so our take is that if we can uh, make these things so easy to deploy and maintain, that it then becomes a no-brainer to say, cool, let me drop a fake Windows server here and let me drop a fake Cisco router here and let me drop a fake desktop uh, NAS there. And and your original question was, is it hardware? Is it VMs? Um, We originally shipped, uh, like the first product that we put out we actually shipped hardware. Mm-hmm. And, and that sounds like a really odd thing to do in uh, 2016, the year of our Lord, because m- most people at that point go like, obviously you just send them in VMs. And, and the main reason we did it was because we found uh, security teams still had a lot of friction to deploying these canaries in different places. So, so security might not have access to the database DMZ. Mm-hmm. or security might not have access to the branch in China. And now what they get to do is say, hey, here's this canary, just plug it in. Right. And and the, the way we built the infrastructure for our product then is that once a canary comes to life, it basically reports into a console that you own and you say, okay, this canary, I want it to look like this personality. And, and again, the, the principle is what you described, which is, for the most part, our canaries aim to look valuable, so so it's a router that they want to get onto, or an interesting-looking NAS device, or an interesting Windows box, and and for the most part, we tweak those services then to say the degree of interaction required with this device is enough to give a signal of badness, and and right. by that I mean if if we are fake Windows box, you'll have things on your network that are reaching out and touching Windows boxes. Yes. But if something reached out to the Windows box called network backup and then went to the directory networking diagrams and then copied network diagrams England dot Vizio, Yep. now you've got a very clear sign of badness. And, and yeah. it doesn't matter how many other signals there are on your network. The fact that somebody copied your network diagrams when they shouldn't is a very clear indicator that you've got badness that needs to be indi- uh, investigated.
1: Yeah, I would probably use the word negative intent because I have to sound self-important exactly and right. valuable. You know, like <laughs> as a consultant, right. it's very important to come up with you know <laughs> positive-sounding terms, even when it's bad. But um, so right. that I can imagine, then that this actual canary, the physical technology under here, is actually Linux. It is, uh, and so, y- you are writing code that m- makes that I can instantiate that runs on these things, and you can say like this is an RDP server, and exactly if people right. connect and try admin admin, and then you throw up a flag.
2: Exactly right. So okay. so we do a little a little we do a few things, but but conceptually you are exactly right. So hmm. so underneath we've got this hardened Linux that that should be a really low finger. Uh, Footprint, mm-hmm. and above that, we primarily do two things. We we run a set of services that match the personality that we've chosen. Yeah. So if you say you're a Cisco, then run TFTP, run Telnet, run HTTPD, um, and uh, then we also take it a step further where we uh, manipulate your TCP/IP stack fingerprint. So so uh, over the last few years, tools well, over the last few decades tools like uh, POF or NMAP would allow attackers to fingerprint your Mm. TCP IP stack. And what we do then is we fake that response. So so if an attacker tried to figure out what they're talking to, they don't see this hardened Linux box. They get a MAC address that maps to Cisco and they get a stack fingerprint that maps to a Cisco. So to them, it's a Cisco.
1: All right. So whichever angle they would come at it from, whether it's, you know, protocol fingerprinting, uh, connecting right. to the device, any sort of uh, opening TCP session or UDP connection right. would emulate us very closely the actual device there.
2: And Exactly right.
1: Now, I could, I imagine that if I've got that sort of device, I would connect to it, but I wouldn't necessarily want to have a flag just because something connected to it. i or, or maybe I do. Maybe I want to have an immediate alert as somebody attempted to TFTP to the canary that was emulating yeah. a Cisco router, because TFTP might not exist in the network. Or you might want to wait until connection to TFTP and they tried some sort of default credential, and then you throw it. Right? The Is that sort of tunable?
2: Yeah. So so and and you've hit it exactly on the head. And and the way we look at this uh, is what we do is we optimize. So so we make our whole pitch three minutes to deploy and uh, really high signal to noise. And, and so we end up optimizing along those axes. So, so for example, one of the things is like by default, a canary won't alert you when it's been port scanned hmm.
1: um,
2: because like there are plenty of networks where there's so much TCP uh, ports uh, being randomly opened that you'd get a false positive. Now you can go in and turn it on and say, hey, listen, this is actually our backplane, our data center, and nothing should be port scanning here. Mm. And then the moment that port scan happens, you'll get your alert. But by default, uh, we tune for, you should be able to drop this uh, really easily and only get a high quality intent or high signal that there's badness. So, So if it's a, like I said, if it was acting like a Windows box, just mapping to it is not enough. You need to map to it and copy these fake files. Um, but but all of it's tunable. In fact, you can go to ridiculous lengths. So you can create your own services. You can create your own TCP ports. But interestingly, even amongst our really sophisticated customers who, who like us, the the win that you see is what they want is quick deploy. Don't disturb me unless it's important. Don't make me maintain you. And and so we do all the stuff so that you can do funkiness around it. Mm-hmm. But I think the greatest value for people is yeah. being able to quickly just drop the stuff. 80, and go on with their lives. And the 80-20 exactly. rule,
1: yeah. As soon as I deploy this stuff, I get 80% increase or 80% of the results are delivered with the defaults that you provide, would be.
2: Yeah, Something exactly like- right. And, and it, it's kind of our pitch that says you probably have other security plans, like you've got major three-year plans to collect all your logs and you should still do all of those, but literally take 30 minutes and just drop some of these because it's really going to be 30 minutes hmm. and they're not going to drown you in alerts because you're going to get like a handful of alerts per year. So just do this and and you'll be better off for it because A, you'll know when you've got your Snowden running around. And, and B, you'll know when you compromised compromised, uh, and someone's bouncing around your network to orient themselves. Uh,
1: I always like it when I pick up the red team. Right, like, that's it's, always been that's always been my favourite. Is uh, it's guilty pleasure. Guilty yes. pleasure is when you suddenly get you, you suddenly work out you're being red teamed, and uh, <laughs> right. Because if, if you've done it for a while, and I've worked at places that I'm not allowed to talk about. Where you know you get the red team, and they have to sort of there has to be a flag in the attack to say it's a red team, so you don't trigger uh, an event a you know some sort of apocalyptic event for the organization <laughs> that you're working for, right? And, right and uh and all of a sudden, and you're there before the red team, you know the as soon as the red team starts working, you're like there going, you know on the phone, yeah, here you are yeah saw you yeah, all, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah I, I see you <laughs> There's it's, nothing it's, more it's, for, it's,
1: nothing more satisfying when you're a blue team. No,
2: it's, It's totally. So we've actually got a web page up, which is just uh, canary.love, which is just a collection of tweets where people uh, unsolicited tweet about Canary. And and the cool thing is um, you see a bunch of defenders saying vague things like, if you're wondering if Canary works, it works. Like. for those people, you know that you've yes. just saved them from from a really bad month. Yeah, and but you also see a bunch of attackers or so red teamers, um, who openly say like this was the only thing that caught me in post exploitation. Yeah, or, or one of the one of the things that in truth we didn't expect going in, um, was the negative effect it has on red teams or attackers when they know you've effectively. St- st- thrown some of these around Mm -hmm. because now you have attackers saying, well, now that there's canaries and canary tokens, I don't know if I can touch this box that looks vulnerable. Like, like maybe it's just a canary. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so it ends up slowing them down. Like someone finds credentials and they go, wait, like that was really easy. Am I being played?
1: Or is oh, it really and that we didn't easy? Plan on yeah, it. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. We, we didn't plan on it, but we totally get that benefit.
1: Yeah, I could see we could do something like on the firewall. You know, put up a web page somewhere. You know, be alert. There are canaries inside this now.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. way off the canary. Yeah. yeah, no, totally with you,
1: dear dear Mr. Negative Intent, negative. Ha- you know, dear Mr. Hacker, <laughs> just an alert. We actually have canaries and we have uh, packet taps.
0: We paused the podcast discussion today so that I can train you. Yeah, no, I'm I'm actually not going to train you right now. What I am going to do is talk about heavy networking sponsors, CBT Nuggets, and they will train you. I care a lot about IT training because it's been a big part of my IT career since I began. All the way back in 1995, I started my IT infrastructure journey learning Novell stuff, and over the years, Training has never stopped for me. Sometimes I'm going for a cert and sometimes I just need to get a better handle on something new, but I'm always learning something to deliver the best networks I can. As you research your own training needs, consider CBT Nuggets. CBT Nuggets specializes in training for networking, cloud, and security. They cover other material too, but they have an especially huge library of training material for Cisco, AWS, Juniper, Linux, Microsoft, and VMware thousands of videos, thousands of hours of content, and that's not meant to scare you, it's okay. You don't have to watch them all at once. Just know that what you need is there when you need it. So for example, let's say you're getting into network automation now. CBT Nuggets offers Cisco DevNet Associate and DevNet Professional Training. I've been reviewing the DevNet Blueprint material from Cisco and I can tell you, you're gonna want training to get through these programs and make the most of them because DevNet material, it isn't like learning a new routing protocol. It's learning how to manage infrastructure as code and And unless you used to be a dev, you Don't know what you're doing, or maybe maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that needs to get stuck into the CBT Nuggets training for DevNet stuff. Anyway, there is so much more there than DevNet training. I've spent some time with the CBT Nuggets interface and it's easy to navigate on the videos I sampled. The audio and video quality have been excellent. And the instructors were easy to understand and they were personal and engaging. They were not formal and boring. And there might have even been a cowboy hat involved. There are actually, yeah, there was definitely a cowboy hat besides the training itself. There is a great support system to help you get a handle on the material. They got virtual labs that are there. They got accountability coaching there. And I I need to shut up now and get to the part that you care about the most, the special offer, free stuff you get from CBT Nuggets because you listened to this entire spot, you awesome human. First, visit cbtnuggets.com slash heavy networking. There, you will find that CBT Nuggets is running a free learner offer. They've made portions of their most popular courses free. All you got to do, sign up with your Google account, start training, that's it. This is a great way for you to give CBT Nuggets a try. Now, as a bonus, everyone who signs up as a free learner is going to automatically be entered into a drawing to win a six-month premium subscription to CBT Nuggets. So just just go do it. CBTNuggets.com slash heavy networking. That's CBTNuggets.com slash heavy networking. This, this is a no-brainer. And now back to the podcast that I so rudely interrupted.
1: When you put canaries in, do you put them in active on the network or do you put them on network taps? I guess- thinking about it, it has to be in the network.
2: Yeah, we drop ours uh actively on the network. So right. so we drop ours uh, and and b- by design ours are supposed to be like just roll up to a switch hmm. and plug one in as you'd as you'd plug in a host. Um you could do stuff where um like like I know one of the the big uh fancy silicon valley companies do more fanciness where they route a lot of their uh span ports to a network where there's canaries, so they can effectively pay for a handful, create a farm of canaries, and then redirect stuff to all them all over yeah. their network. Yeah. Uh, to them, um, I think it gives you a different signal. And and like I say, I think you can do complicated stuff with it. But but our our heart is with people saying, "I've yeah. got enough to do." You it not also my- seems to
1: me that uh, in this remote working era, it would also be possible. Uh, yeah. provided the costings work out that if I have, you know, the CEO, if I have the executive team, I could pick yeah. out critical individuals and send Canaries to them and then know yeah. if something's happened What's in the remote office. On their
2: network. Yeah. It's 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 super interesting because uh, we had people talk about this before we actually did it. Uh, so, so we obviously run Canaries on our own infrastructure and we do stuff like that. And then we all went home uh, for COVID like everyone else did and we didn't make a thing to take, uh, make sure everyone's running Canaries at home. And, and we had customers of ours who said, hey, listen, we need Canaries for our exec teams. And, and they deployed them. And uh, Martin Casado from A16Z gave a talk at uh, their tech forum where he spoke about how he runs Canary at home um, just because he wants to know when his Oculus Rift starts mapping out the internal network, for example.
1: Well, wow. it also has to be said that Martin is very confident at his own technology stack as well, to be fair. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. He's, uh, he's... But what was interesting, before we actually uh, start thinking hard about it, um, someone else, uh, a guy called Caleb Sima, wrote a Medium post, so, so not related to us at all, Um, wrote a Medium post on how he secures his home network. And he mentioned dropping a canary at home and he later spoke about how he actually caught uh, malware on, I think, his mother-in-law's phone that that was then scanning the home network and looking for file shares, and it hit uh, a canary, and, and that's how they found out about it. So, no, it's it's totally a useful model that says, uh, and again, the the speed of deployment is is part of what makes it a win, right?
1: Now, this doesn't replace any of your existing... Security infrastructure, like if you're running firewalls, application firewalls, oh. or application firewalls with threat detection and prevention capabilities and hooked up to threat feeds, whether you're yep. running a DNS firewall or whether you're sending your traffic out to you know, companies to do the deep inspection, the URL logging content, all that stuff exists. This is yep. detecting... A canary is working in the space that this doesn't cover.
2: Yeah. So you're exactly right. It, it doesn't replace any of those. And, and for us, it's almost your detection of last resort. You've done everything so that you shouldn't be surprised. You should know when something's going to surprise you. And what we've seen happen consistently is exactly that: is people saying, but I do all this. I do all of that stuff. But there's this other thing that we never saw coming. And, and that's exactly when the canary earns its keep. And, and so it, it's silent uh, by default. And then when when your controls have failed, it lets you know. Right. Um, which also makes it useful for, for people who've just like inherited a new network. So, so you'll often see like during acquisition or, or during the course of business, someone now inherits a whole new network segment. Yeah, and and so yeah. with our good customers, what they'll do is say, oh, cool, um, send four canaries down and, and have them drop them in the data center. Be, because again, like all you want to know is when something extremely odd is happening.
1: So there's, there's an interesting thing there uh, uh, that is um, if you acquired a company, let's say you, your company that you work for acquired an organization and that, you know, you go through the appropriate business diligence and then long after everything's done, you're suddenly tasked with connecting the networks together and migrating, it would be potentially useful to do a part of the security analysis of that organization to drop canaries in and see if there is any pre-existing breach.
2: It totally is.
1: It, it, it would it be makes, one way of doing it at least, yeah. It,
2: yeah, it, it makes... So So part of our pitch is, is to make canaries simple enough and cheap enough that those decisions are a no-brainer. So right. So even if you're doing other stuff, like, like you should literally go, well, why wouldn't I do this? Like, yeah. like let's also do that. And 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 you see that happening in a bunch of spaces. So we've even got uh, partners who do incident response. So there's some breach, they go in, and literally while they go in, they go, okay, we'll just leave these handful of canaries around. Because while we're doing our stuff, we'd like to know if something's still getting touched. Or when we go home for the night, we'd like to
1: know. Yeah. And, and so... Uh, yeah, I am a huge fan being, of technology, which I call five o'clock technologies, and that right. is technologies that let me go home at five o'clock. Right. <laughs> right.
2: I've never heard the term, but right? yeah, that's <laughs> that's totally it.
1: And uh, and the second class of technologies, which I'm even more fond of, and that and when I mean five o'clock, it means I just plug it in and it works, and I don't have to work all night to make it work. But the second right. category of technology, which is almost more important, the ones that never wake me up on weekends, right, at two o'clock <laughs> in the morning. And, yeah. And,
2: so I've seen Canaries wake people up on weekends, but the only thing that I'll say in their defence is, when they wake you up, it's generally a good idea to cancel your weekend plans.
1: Yeah, like you've like, got some yeah. a higher degree of yeah. confidence that you're achieving that you're not just wasting your time here. You are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which exactly is what you right. know. Usually, I got called out on the weekend because the server team had something go wrong, or the application wouldn't come back up, and they thought it was the network, right? Yeah.
2: Right, <laughs> yeah, it's got to be your fault, yeah, a, totally. Yeah,
1: if it's not, it can't be the server and it can't be the app, so it must be the network. And you're looking at them going, and why, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, you know, yes, you just upgraded your app and now it's my fault. Let's, like, like, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's debug this, yes, yeah, yeah let's just take a logical <laughs> step back at what got you. I understand that you're desperate and you're tired and you've been there for three days or whatever. Um. <laughs> Does One of the things that I often find with security technologies is they just create new arms races. So when we invented <laughs> right. firewalls, then we invented application firewalls, which sometimes, right. uh, you know, and then we move from application firewalls to application files with threat detection built in, right? right? And it just feels like every time a new security, every time we develop a new security, we just end up spending more money for zero gain.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so So... It, it, so a yes, like uh, and and I think to to uh, what I originally said, I think with sentient opponents, that's going to happen, and and the the obvious thing uh, the moment you with canaries is people are going to start spending a lot of time to see if they can detect canaries, and and the honest thing there is, uh, and again we get a little bit lucky, is for the most part it's pretty easy to detect that someone is trying to detect you. Like like for someone to detect you, they start getting active. So they've got to start checking through your, your fake web server or start probing your stack. Mm. And, and so, for example, we can differentiate between, hey, this was just ports flying by, and this is now someone trying to figure out your OS fingerprint based on your TCP IP stack. And that becomes a reliable way to say, hey, this is a sign of badness like hey nobody should be doing this if somebody's doing this it's probably a problem and and so the, in truth my answer there is that most companies are way stuck on the wrong side of this arms race currently yeah like like they're just getting hosed and and
1: yeah we've this- had like a record number of zero days in 2021 <laughs> yeah. already like yeah, as many zero insane. days as appeared in 2020 have appeared in 2021 or some some ridiculous it, number yeah
2: it's insane
1: and i'm subscribed to a number of newsletters where they basically talk about breaches and i don't even read right. them anymore because it's <laughs> it's like 8 to 10 a week and each yeah. one is 20 to a billion people and some ridiculous number and it's like yeah. you know and it's it's it really it, is undermining the whole credibility of like i know that Your opinion of the security industry somewhat parallels mine is that most of them are a bunch (laughs) of 12-year-olds sort of sniggering, like really intelligent and smart 12-year-olds who sort of go like, you know, do this amazing way of and creative breach of an organization or finding a zero day or hacking their way through the code to find it. And then release it like a twelve-year-old, like he, 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 I see all your cameras, ha! <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my god, <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah, it's no,
2: it's it's exactly right. But but I, I think there's there's a few uh, m- m- even more interesting things underneath there. And mm-hmm. the one is the the zero day question, which look for years, people have been pointing out that you don't even need zero day to compromise most organizations. Yeah, well, and sure. and it's a thing that most organizations, like in the way organizational uh, hierarchies break down, I think we've gotten to the point where the people who pay the bills actually don't know how vulnerable they are. Like like I'm talking about 10 or 12 years ago, I did this talk where I said, I bet most companies who pay more than a million dollars uh, for security. And, and this is like any reasonable sized dog, I, I bet the board doesn't know. If, it, like if you told them, hey, do you know that you are zero exploits away from the worst day of your life?
1: Uh-huh. And the dirty little secret here is that they don't care and they still don't care. Look at what happened with Solowinds, right? You realize yeah. that Solowind's share price is now up 10%.
2: Yeah, the the SharePoint correlation to to breaches is a whole interesting topic. Just, but, but just I, I they actually made you.
1: more money from the breach because <laughs> from the publicity. No, people signed up for the maintenance. People right, who weren't under maintenance did. actually went and paid SolarWinds to fix their faulty yeah. product. Yeah, like, as is tradition in enterprise IT. I bought this That's product. It. It's faulty. Oh, let me pay more money let to make pay it- pay you more. To fix the faulty yeah. product you sold me. It's, it's a bonkers sometimes. No, I just- No, that, I think the perverse
2: incentives there are, are insane. But but I think this question that says, like, like hey, you've got a security team now and you've got a patching policy and you're paying for software. Like, surely we should be better off than one attacker can give you the worst day of your life. and yeah. And we- aren't gone very far from that. Like like we're still sitting at the place where where like one moderately sophisticated sixteen year old can give people a really bad time. and and part of like like now there's going to be a zero day hype, right? Because people are going to look around and there's going to be terrible headlines and news broadcasters yeah. are going to explain what a zero day is. But, but again, for me, uh, to go back to your thing, it's like, well, the antivirus that you've been paying millions for over the years don't even have a shot at the stuff, like they're not even seeing it. And, and realistically, it, in, in defense of the industry or, or to at least share some of the blame, I think our networks today are just far too sophisticated or far too complicated oh. for
1: so, so I'll well, tell you yes where that comes from. Yes, and yes, I think there's a. I, I'll I'll go a little contrary to you. I think in principle yeah. you're correct, right? There's a lot of manually operated networks relying on technology from the 1990s, say 2010s right. idea, right? That I configure everything via the CLI and it's all hand artisanally crafted, and right. the potential for leaving gaps in your implementation is substantial. Like organizations right. that use CLI's. Often find that simple things like SNMP configurations are not consistent across your entire state. Right. However, the arrival of software defined networking and the idea that okay. you have a software app that controls substantial parts of your network—a software defined data center or an SD WAN, or right. you know the emergence of campus or the, the 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 we're seeing campuses turn into just basically internet access networks, right? right and and much more moves to the edge of the network where the fat yeah. clients you know there there's a whole bunch of trends so i think the end of that complex network idea goes away over time in the same way right. that the complex application portfolio goes away as people move to some saas so they move right. some of the stuff out that's the really ugly stuff like owning exchange is necessarily complex and hard sassing it right. makes, you know, giving it to microsoft substantially reduces your attack surface, as people found out this week with the, you know, the right. exchange vulnerability. Um, but I, and, and the arrival of software to bring it all together. But that's also true for what you do, because the big thing about this idea of your canaries is that you put them all around the network, but they're not standalone. They all report right. back to a centralized application. Right. E- exactly right. And, and-, and, and that's your key <laughs> value, really. It, it
2: absolutely is. It's yeah. it's a thing that says, "Hey, you you drop them, drop them in, and no." Like like our key thing is just right now. Chances are you don't know, and you probably you probably want to, and and that's absolutely where the wind comes off. And and in terms of uh, network complexity, so just just to uh, wrap that, I, I'm with you. Like yeah. like I think we have simplifying technologies now that down the line are gonna help. But I think there's a hang of a long tail of organizations that are so far off in terms of network segmentation or network mm. planning that 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 they totally unprepared for um in in part like a deeper problem. Like like actually what's happened is like software has eaten the world and there are microprocessors in everything. Yeah. And so <laughs> these people who who didn't have segmented networks before now have a Monitor that's actually a Six computer and a microphone that's a computer with two gigs of RAM, yeah. uh, 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 and and so there's there's so many places that could bite them now that that their old paradigms just don't work and in that in that situation my first step is well you need to know when when there's well, badness.
1: I think from my point of view the thing I like about this canary idea is, um it actually justifies further action. So I can deploy totally. this and maybe we need to, you know, you've got an open source implementation that I can get started with to do proof of concept. Yep. You're talking about the bottom up selling. So uh, if I'm a, an engineer listening to this, I can go and get this today and get started at some level, yep, yep. right? Yep.
2: Um, you can hit org and you get the free version, um, which is totally useful.
1: Right. And then if I detect something, I can go to the go to the executives and say, I have found somebody rummaging around in our network. Um, yeah, what do we do, right? And then all of a sudden, the budget gets—it's—it's
2: it's <laughs> absolutely part of the intention—is—is yeah. is to say that listen, like if you're just starting off, like like you've just acquired a company or you've just become a CISO, like you've got a thousand possible projects. And you actually, like, like, there's so much that you don't know. And, and for a little while, uh, I'm, I'm glad to have heard your take on logging because hmm. for a little while, CISOs went, okay, I'm not going to listen to anything till I get full asset inventory until I log everything. Hmm. And of course, they're setting themselves up for a four-year project. And during those four years, you don't know that actually you've got really serious badness happening in your Seattle office. Yeah, and and so that's why our thing is: look, do all your other stuff, like make all your other plans, but just drop these today. And and our take then to make that principle work has to be that deployment and maintenance is so easy that we don't distract you from the rest of your stuff. So just go absolutely throw this in mm-hmm. today, and then keep doing the rest. Yeah, I and, don't. And I'm those, less.
1: I'm less convinced that active log analysis. Will ever show up much? Like, I think the AI and yeah. ML might give us, yeah, but I don't not. think it'll actually ever be useful for active penetration. Like, actually, clearly delineating that an attack is underway.
2: I'm I'm with you. And right. and at this point, there's there's enough uh, empirical evidence. Like like a few people went down those roads and then came back with, well, we didn't completely hmm. waste our money because we still have X, but nobody came out of it. Um, that I know of going, yep, this was absolutely the way. I've seen
1: so many companies nearly bankrupt themselves with Splunk implementations trying to capture it. (laughs) Because Splunk (laughs) is not at all this tool, and yet everybody wants to use it because they've got it for something else and they want to use it again. But the cost of Splunk is it's not designed for security logging. It's absolutely designed for a different type of situation, like tracking your transaction logs on your accounting app. Because that's yeah. really, but in and they think, oh well, we'll just use that for security, and then they suddenly realize that the sheer cost of Splunk, considering what yeah. it is, is just um, um impractical for it, infrastructure users, yeah. mind not you
2: yeah, look if i can if I can join you uh, on your on your cynical uh, type, <laughs> like like i I think it's I think we're now even worse than Splunk being wrong. We far enough into it that there's a second generation of companies that came up to replace Splunk that are also bad. Yeah. So, so it's, it's it, you, like people looked at it and said, Ooh, Splunk's not the right tool. We should build the right tool. And hmm. now there's both of them that are doing the wrong thing. So, so yeah. yeah, I
1: I'm d- I, th- not saying that logging is not necessary. I think logging sure. is absolutely necessary, but should only be used post event, not pre event. Yeah. So once you know what you're looking for, you can go into the logs and say, oh, I can see the attacker came through here. Yeah. I can see the attacker went from there to there. I can see the pivot as they went between segments, as they crossed the firewalls and so forth. But I I generally don't believe that, and people who are all into artificial intelligence and machine learning are going to be throwing their toys out the cot right about now. Uh, But, you know, there's just not enough signal in the data to to extract meaning, in my view.
2: Yeah,
1: I'm, uh, I'm with you. Or I'm unconvinced that that is true. Now, I absolutely believe that if you could feed every single packet, collect every single packet and feed it into a system and do that analysis, but just listen to yourself when you say that and you go like, I'm going <laughs> to put a network tap at every segment and capture every single packet. Like when you get to 100 gigabits per second on every server in your data center, just yeah. think twice, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, for, for a little while, I, I had, uh, so, so when Google started Chronicle, I thought that was the problem that they said they were going to solve. Be- because like, like super naively, I thought, well, if Google are saying that an upload is as simple as the Google front page, so like you just aim your stuff at us and then you get to search us at Google speed using Google's machine learning as the backend, like that would be quite a thing, but but of course, uh, Google uh, managed to show that Google does to products what Google does to products that are not search, pretty consistently. Like uh, Chronicle, within months, went away and got folded into the rest of the org, and then became a different service yeah. provider. And and yeah. it, uh, but I thought that they had a hope. Like like if anyone could do. Massive ingestion and uh, intelligent, uh, well, good quality ML to give you real insights. I thought Google would, um, but they fizzled pretty close out of the gate.
1: Yeah, it's it's an you know packet capture is the ultimate source of data. The challenge with packet capture is that it's the nuclear option because you can just get lost chasing your tail in packet capture. And I'm a big fan of you know network taps and visibility networks that allow you to. Point taps towards you know systems for capturing, capturing and storing packets, and you know we've had the companies like VRV and and all of the network visibility companies like Big Switch with it's now at Arista right. you know building these networks and being able to move taps and collect and filter data that you send to your packet capture engines and that sort of stuff. But I mean that's that to me is what ha- that's your forensics. That's what happens after yeah. the murder is being committed. That's not right. That's not pre crime. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
2: Actionable right. insights there are yeah. are the killer. No, totally with
1: you. Fair enough. Well, Haroon, this has been cool fun. I really enjoyed talking to you today. Um, and we've had a pretty robust discussion going backwards and forwards. Um, I think we share some stuff about uh, the state of the security industry. And on the other hand, but I am sort of of this idea that Canaries is kind of an idea. And and this is an unsponsored show, but Harun is the founder of a company. So Harun, why don't you tell us a little bit about the company that you work for?
2: Um, sure. So um, it, it's been fun. Uh, it's been fun on. Um, and so we are canary.tools, which is a strange TLD. Um, if you hit the page, uh, you should see uh, access to us. You should see videos. You can generate quotes. And other than that, uh, we are on Twitter as at Inxt canary. Um, but yeah, if, if anyone has thoughts, uh, hit the contact us on the page, tweet to add things to Canary. We'd love to chat to people.
1: Now, what I will also do is get Haroon to give me the links to his open source version so where you can go and download the tools yourself and find out more. And you can find those on packetpushes.net, which is our website that supports this podcast and go and test them. And maybe you want to try out the free versions, or maybe you want to go and have a look at the the demo versions that Thinks provides to you. Thanks to uh, Haroon for giving up his time today. And again, this was unsponsored. Uh, This is actually my genuine opinion. I'm actually quite interested by this technology and I'd love to hear what you think. If you've got this technology or you get into it, maybe you want to join us on our Slack channel. We have a Slack channel where like-minded network engineers communicate with each other and share ideas. Uh, Just head on over to packetpushes.net slash Slack and you can get a sign up and then join in the discussion there. And as always... You can visit our website for over a 1,000 other episodes. Actually, it's more like 1,600, I think, by now. But anyway, we've got lots of other shows. Uh, this is just one. This is Heavy Networking. We have others. If you've liked the show, please tweet about it. Follow us on LinkedIn. I see a share of post on LinkedIn to tell people about it. It would really help us out. And of course, in your podcatcher, if you could say like, that helps other people to just find us and share more. And as always, last but never ever least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.